Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk, of course, USA Trojan football like we do every show here on the Peristyle Podcast. Today we got Dan Weber and Keely York. Keely York in studio. Dan Weber on the line via Skype. We're going to talk about some of the off-season workouts as this team rolls into the summer. And of course, just around the corner will be fall camp in that 2019 season. Everyone with much anticipation waiting for what's going to happen for the Trojans, especially those first six games of the year. So we'll talk about all of that. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address. Or if you'd rather call us or send us a text, you can do that too. 424-254-9141 is the number. We do appreciate all the text, the emails, the phone calls, any kind of positive reviews, five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts or any of your podcasting apps out there. We do appreciate that. We got some on Stitcher I just saw earlier today. Leave us some more. That's awesome. Uh, Wherever you listen to the podcast, uh, tell the people out there that you like it. If you do, hopefully you do. And uh, we do appreciate you listening as always. Well, first we got Keely, you're in studio. Hello, Keely. How are you? Hello, hello. Good to be back in the studio. You're back here. We were, well, I guess you were here Wednesday is the last time for the, the live show. Yes. Yeah. So we'll do Wednesday. that again. Yeah, I think we got a live show again this week. I haven't really talked about it yet, but we'll we'll do one because we always do. And we have uh, on the line via Skype, we have Dan Weber. Welcome, Dan. How are you? It's good. Good, good to be here and good to be, uh, I think we've actually hit summer just a little bit. I think the, the you know, the, the constant news cycle of however many months it's been, maybe kind of tapered off a little bit, uh, you know, giving us a little bit of a sum, summer breather uh, this week. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of weird. We talked about this before. Is there some sort of a, a, a newsy lull? Because there wasn't much of one. Uh, it seems like there is, you know, and I think it's probably not a bad time for it. This might be a not a bad time for like the no news is good news sort of thing, because there have been a lot of positive news, you know, and I actually was just uh, on Friday. I was at the Trojan Football Alumni Club golf tournament down at Oak Creek uh, in uh, Orange County, and Graham Harrell was there, uh, Lynn Swan was there, uh, Clay Helton was there, Carrie Colbert, a bunch of the support staff, and uh, you know Clay Helton spoke at the end, and it was you know kind of what you expect. There's you know, there's some people that are still a little bit upset about the five and seven, but it seems a lot of people are uh, really excited for the future. Uh, of the program and Graham Harrell got up and spoke and uh, he was great as always. And uh, Clay Helton again mentioned, we, I know we talked about it on the Harvey Hyde show uh, again, mentioned it looks like August 17th for a kind of a new version of a salute to Troy, which would be at the Coliseums. You could go check out your new seats and all that kind of stuff. They still haven't released the details on that, but Clay Helton's been saying that everywhere he speaks. And he said that again uh, on Friday. So uh, I thought, you know, just seeing like the coaches and stuff in that kind of an environment, a lot of them had just come from a workout that morning. They had their Friday morning 
workouts, and then they came to USC. Everyone was pretty pumped uh, and excited. So maybe, Dan, it's not bad. No news is probably good news for USC right now. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, I guess there are, there are some things like uh, I just read uh, uh, the Pac-12 columnist, uh, John Wilner from the Mercury News in the Bay Area News Group, and he said just the the arrival of Drew McCoy and Chris Steele has forced an entirely different look and a reevaluation of the entire Pac-12 football recruiting, that it's gone from, you know, kind of disastrous to just with those two guys, uh, I guess it, it makes six of the top 10 prospects in the, uh, in the Pac-12 footprint stayed in the Pac-12. And, and I guess that's a big difference from four. If, if only four stay and, the, and six go away, that's really tough. Uh, so, uh, so John said, you know, you almost have to completely reevaluate the entire league in terms of how it recruited last year just because of those two moves of those two guys to USC. So that, that's kind of one in- interesting take. And I do think there's more news coming about the salute to Troy. I get the sense that they're actually going to try to do a salute to Troy, uh, similar you know, there's some real logistics issues in terms of, uh, you know, where you would put people and tables and, you know, uh, and the food and how you would set it up for the, you know, you know, for the band and for the speakers and all that kind of thing. But my understanding is one of the reasons people haven't, you know, been asked to, uh, you know, sponsor tables and, and buy tickets and all that is they're still working on that, as I understand. So, it's going to take some work. It's going to be, it's just going to be a different challenge with people on, on different levels and, and where the, uh, where space for the tables is available, like on the rooftop and, and the, you know, lounge areas and all that. And how do you have a, uh, you know, a podium and, and a stage and all that. I, I, I think they're, they're working that out, but I think it would really be worthwhile if they could work out a, you know, kind of a, a combination uh, here's the, you know, the new Coliseum. Here's the new structure. Here's where your seats are. Here's, here, you know, maybe here's a scrimmage, but also still do salute to Troy. I don't know whether they could do that all on the same day. And, uh, but I do think, you know, I think there will be some news coming about that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Should happen soon, I guess, but have you heard anything? It around be that soon. No, but I think it's a good step forward for USC. I think it's something new, something different that they're, it's a challenge. And sometimes we kind of see them not push themselves in, in that type of area. So I think it's a good thing for them to try and accomplish. But as far as official news, I have not heard anything of that sort. There may not be any yet. I, I think it is a work in progress, as they say. Yeah. One of those things. But we'll see. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was interesting over there at the, the golf tournament. I had a, had a good time. A lot of great uh, USC uh, fans there, you know, and uh, and former players and stuff. Uh, Chris uh, Chris O'Dowd and Alex Parsons, who we saw at our live event, they were in the group uh, behind us. A bunch of old, you know other former players like Tim Lavin, who wrote the book on uh, uh, walk-ons, and uh, he's a big walk-on advocate. Uh, was there, and uh, some you know some really cool, uh, some some really nice guys and some really cool people uh, just to kind of see them out there and tool around the course a little bit. So it's it's good, you know. Not not bad news. Uh, no news is okay, and and you know we want to talk about these off season workouts too because it seems like just from watching social media, you're our expert, Keely. Um, I mean, th- does it feel different watching like the workout videos? The 
Aaron Osmus doing stuff like I forget what it's called. Um, he has some hashtag that he keeps using. Hashtag strength training. It's not strength training, but there's some. That's like, what he he replied to me. So I had tweeted over the on Friday. Uh, we were watching the guys come out of Howard Jones and uh, Jordan Iacefa kind of just looked exhausted and he laughed and kind of turned our way and said i'm so dead he's like i've never died so hard so so much you know he's like hardest workout of my life and kind of laughed and so i tweeted that out um and i didn't even tag Aaron Osmus, but i put his name in there and he replied and put hashtag strength training so it seems to be their thing and he replies to that he has that hashtag a lot so it seems to be his thing. But there's also bullies, B-U-L-L-I-E-Z. There's a lot of like little marketing things that Dan yeah. and I have noticed at PRPs that, that Aaron has been kind of branding this new wave of USC strength and conditioning. Yeah, there's bullies, there's phone booth thing. He had a bunch of pictures phone, yeah, over the phone week. Phone booth, fine. I thought that was interesting because all his coaches uh, are wearing these black T-shirts with phone booth fight on them. And I thought that was interesting that Jordan came out carrying one of those T-shirts. He was like, he was almost as a, as a I don't know where he got it, if they had made him an honorary member or whatever, but uh, but Jordan was carrying one of the phone booth fight T-shirts. So, uh, but there is a lot of that. They, they've thought about, you know, how do we, you know, how do we bond these guys and how do we brand them and, you know, how do we make them compete every day? Uh, and, uh, and do it as a group, as a team exercise. And, and I think those are all, you know, real steps forward. Much and, and, and just a sense that, like they did in the spring, I think the players think they're getting better. And, and, and I mean, there's a belief that this is working. We're, we're showing progress. We're getting better. And that was the the biggest failing of all of 2018 was there was a sense that they weren't all together. And they didn't believe that they were getting better, that what they were doing was working. And they were just kind of, you know, no, you know, no man's land, just sort of. And you don't see that at all. I mean, they, they really, you know, they believe Graham Harrell's offense. Uh, I think they, they believe that uh, three new coaches on defense are going to figure out a way to get a lot of those guys on the field who didn't get on the field and maybe thought they, you know, thought they should have. And, uh, and then I think they feel like they're getting, you know, stronger and, and they're coming together as a team. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff going and they're working on letting you know about that, telling you that that's happening. And uh, I think that's a good thing, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you can also just see sometimes, you know, when we show up for PRPs, we see that guys' bodies are different. And sometimes, you know, especially with the linemen, it's like, ooh, they added a couple pounds and not in the, in the right way. But you can see that guys' bodies are changing. And it's early so far in the summer. And one of the examples that I kind of observed was I was at Rising Stars camp on Saturday and some of the players walk around or are refs for that event. And Kanai Malga walked up to one of the strength and conditioning like assistants. And the guy was kind of teasing him. was like, I'm sorry, I don't think I've met you before. And and Kanai was kind of confused, and he was like, oh, what? And then he was like, this guy is just so much bigger. Who are you? You, you just look so much bigger. And Kanai got really happy. And so you can kind of see where guys are – the guys who need to bulk up are bulking up, and guys like J2 Fele, who I noted to Dan on Friday, he just looks so much trimmer, you know, and guys like that. You, you can see kind of the differences where – Guys are taking advantage of the opportunity they have to change their bodies over the summer. And you can kind of see that that's starting to pay off. I, I, you look at them and you say, okay, this is an athletic team. And we always, every year, they're going to have to have a lot of bad years before you're going to say a USC team doesn't have enough athletes on it. But 
you know, if there was a deficit last year, uh, and, and maybe their athleticism wasn't, you know, what they needed to be in their conditioning and their weight was, you know, off a little bit. The guys that needed, you know, some guys hadn't got where they needed to get and other guys, had, you know, were 10 pounds above where they needed to be. But if there was, you know, so you get those things going in the right direction. But I think the deficit that we saw last year, all of last year, was there was a toughness deficit. This team just wasn't tough enough. They weren't, you know, they weren't dominant. They just, they weren't, you know, competitive enough to really feel like they were going to just take you out of the game. That their game was, you know, going to be good enough and, and that they were going to be, uh, you know, physically able, you know, to back it up. And uh, that was just completely lacking. I thought last year and and you see much of that, you know, happening with, with what they're doing with uh, Aaron Osmus and, and, and company. And he's got, you know, that guys around him that look like they could, you know, throw the weights around right now. And, uh, you know, they're not just, uh, you know, telling them what to do. It looks no. like they got guys that, that, that could do it, you know, and, and are doing it. Yeah. They're like squatting huge, you know, just racks of weights. It's just insane what they're, uh, doing there. And it's funny, it's this very, I don't know if I say old school. It's probably old school. I mean, you see, yeah. you see double A, he's just jacked and it's all about, you know, like build weight, put stuff on. And if you look at his Instagram and it's like, there's lifting weights or eating steak. Like it's like, there's <laughs> no, like, there's no like uh salads or anything. Like he's like, eat steak, lift weights. Like, so I think that's going to resonate with some USC fans. Uh, it just seems like it's a different approach than what we've seen before i don't know if it translates to more wins or whatever but it's different and it seems to like resonate with some people it's more like this tough guy kind of thing yeah one of their shirts says life's too small no life too short to be small and weak which kind of <laughs> i feel like sums up the mindset of aaron osmus and company yeah yeah and and i think what you have to do is you got to have that attitude but you have to back it up it can't be just all attitude i mean if you want all attitude just show the, uh, you know, entrance to the uh, Alabama game, uh, you know, for the USC guys coming out of the tunnel, they had to be restrained until Alabama got hold of them and then restrained them a lot because they weren't ready to, you know, to play at that level. So you don't want it just to be attitude. You want that attitude to kind of build after you've done all the work and you have, you know, the belief system that what you're doing, you know, on offense, on defense, on special teams, is going to work and you, that you can back it up. Uh, but, uh, but I think the attitude comes with the work. Uh, you don't want attitude first. I mean, you want them to be preaching. We want to get there. We want to be those guys, but we aren't those guys yet. You know, this is what we got to work, work toward. Uh, you know, you just aren't that guy because you automatic, you know, automatically because you're at USC and you're surrounded by a bunch of guys. No. No, that's, that's, that's not the way it works. And that's not the way it, you know, when, when Pete turned it around, that wasn't how they turned it around. It wasn't attitude first. It was, you know, work and, 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 and you know, toughness, physical, mental, and, uh, and talent. And you had to have all those elements. Uh, but, uh, you know, this, this is a, they're moving in the right direction. It looks like it, it, it just does. And, and, and I think one of the things I like with these, with these, co this coaching staff is they made the players responsible for their own weight that Aaron, I think one of the things he said is, uh, I don't know if it was Aaron 
trying to think who said that now. You are – it might have been Coach uh, Chad uh, K., the, the defensive line coach. He said you are your weight. What, you know, what your weight is tells us what your commitment is to being the guy you can be. He said you just – you can't – you know, you can't lie. You can't lie to the scales. And it's up to you to get yourself, whether you got to get up or go down, you got to get yourself to where you have to be. And we can't babysit you. It's, it's, it's your responsibility. I think they've gotten more of that too. As much as they've made it a team deal, they've made it more, it's on you to get to where you want to be. You got to make those choices. We can't make them for you. Yeah. So that makes sense. You know, it seems to be. Like I said, don't know if that means you're going to win more football games or whatever, yeah. but it's definitely different. It's a different look, a different feel, and uh, it seems that the players seem pretty excited about it. Uh, one thing they're probably not doing is eating, like, I don't know, soft-baked chocolate chip peanut butter cookies. Maybe they get a little snack in a little bit, but then I want to talk about Trader Joe's real quick because I tried these things. I went, I'm going through the aisle looking for my snack or whatever because I got to get something, you know. You get, yes. you get the good stuff, but of you got to... Not that this isn't good stuff, but the brand new, they came out soft baked peanut butter, chocolate chip cookies. Uh, I tried them out and usually I read up on them a little bit. Having like soft cookies at Trader Joe's is not that common because you can't have a lot of artificial preservatives and stuff in the ingredient, in the, uh, in the products. And that's what I guess a lot of times they make the soft cookie. So they pulled this one off somehow without that. It's, I think it's peanuts, peanut, you know, peanut butter, peanuts and peanut oil or they're using it in it, but man, they are really good. I would recommend getting a couple, maybe three or four, and then a glass of milk and uh, dipping them in the milk. And uh, yeah, you you will thank me later. So good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, they are they are yeah. excellent. So I, I kind of got lucky and found them. And I looked them up and I'm like, oh, these are brand new. Oh. And, uh, but my eyes go directly to like sweets. So yeah. as you know. Ryan's but recommendations. I would recommend I w- these. They're good. <laughs> uh, not too long ago, I ran into somebody who's kind of in the food business and they said one of the coolest jobs in the whole food grocery industry is being one of the buyers for Trader Joe's and one of the people whose job it is to go out and find like the cool new things. And I think we have maybe, uh, if Ryan ever wants to get out of this business, we might have another career for you, yeah. uh, Ryan. If, uh, I would test if, it, yeah. if one of those people who could go out and find all the cool stuff to eat. Uh, but apparently that's like in the, in the, in the, food industry that's like one of the really cool jobs is if you could be one of those people for trader joe's that goes out and finds all the cool stuff yeah. sounds cool but I'd, trader joe's would suddenly have a lot more sweets if ryan was at the yeah it probably changed the whole dynamic <laughs> of stuff but uh that's fine yeah that's good um well so the off-season workouts like usually include all the strength and conditioning stuff there's on field training but then there's also the player run practices those have definitely evolved over the years uh, where we used to watch them all the time and now they're making it extremely difficult for us to to even watch them. You guys have been down there when they were going on. You were in the vicinity of them. <laughs> Is any kind of, I mean, maybe share like kind of what you saw or what's going on down there, uh, either one of you guys? Or? See, I, don't, I think the, the good thing, uh, you know, is, I don't think they're changing almost anything from regular practice. I mean, I think the whole point of spring practice was to get as, uh, you know, do it at the same way. You know, you know, they did the three different installs the first three days, and then they repeated them, you know, four more times. And I think that's what, you, what they're doing basically is the same thing. I mean, uh, and yet 
I think in the past, when they kind of got into a repetitive practice that some people say, oh, there's no, uh, you know, there's no surprises. There's no suspense as to, you know, what's going to happen here. Uh, that they kind of got a little bored and they kind of, you know, went through the motion. The interesting thing with this is they don't seem to be doing that at all. Uh, and I think there, there are enough options as to, and there's enough competition and everybody's involved. I think that they're doing a better job of getting all the quarterbacks involved and getting all the receivers involved and, and getting the defenders in there. And they got to really run, you know, with the offense. So, uh, you, you put them into competitive situations, but uh, but I think you know there are no surprises. I, I don't think at all in uh, in what they're doing this summer after what we saw in the spring. I think basically they just go you know right into right into you know spring mode, and uh, I think it'll be all that way all the way into August. I think the only thing we're going to see differently is they hadn't installed any of like the specialty offensive plays, uh, the way they're going to set up deep balls and things like that. I don't, they didn't do almost any of that, uh, you know, in the spring. And I'm guessing they're not doing much of that in the summer. But I think by the time they get to August, they will have a sense of, of what they want to do to take advantage of teams that are going to have to be so conscious of, you know, of stopping, you know, four and three and four and five receivers going all different directions and, and take that shot down the field and I think a lot of those will be uh, according to who you're playing and what their personnel uh, are are like and what their in the basic defenses are but uh, but other than that I think what they're doing is, is basically spring football uh, on the days when they didn't do pads uh, essentially that and they get a lot of running in and they get a, little, a lot of competing in but uh, but I think you know I don't I don't think we're missing a whole lot uh, in terms of uh, maybe you know you don't get to see the order of the quarterbacks, uh, but but I don't think there's going to be a lot of shuffling. I'd say in the skill positions, I just think they're going to you know a lot of those guys they're going to play a lot of people. Everybody, I mean, I guess we won't be able to tell right away in the sprint or in the summer if you've got you know say what what situation some of the you know the new freshmen uh, where what do they look like? How do they fit in? Other than that, uh, uh, I think, you know, this is an extension of spring, which I think is really a good thing. Yeah, I mean, Dan and I have had to get kind of creative <laughs> to see uh, what little of PRPs we can. Uh, but what we did see, it seemed like, like Dan said, an extension of what we saw in spring. You know, uh, the quarterbacks went five, all five lined up and started doing passing lines, stuff like that. So things that we saw in spring. Um, but if I can, I would actually want to get into one of the questions we have in our mailbag oh, sure. because we kind of already are touching on it. Brett C. from Knoxville says, Hi, guys. My question is for all of you, and I'm wondering if you've seen a difference in PRPs from this year to last year. Uh, I would like to get all your guys' opinions on it. Thanks, and fight on. Yeah, very different. We can't see them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, there is more up. They're up more upbeat. There's no question about it. Uh, last year, you know, it was all about, JT Daniels showing up for the first time with Amon Ra. And it was like, oh my God, you know, spring football was so terrible. Will these two guys be able to rescue us? Was kind of, you know, how things, how things went in the summer PRPs uh, when they got started. And of course, those two, you know, were just learning 
as much as they could of the gumbo offense. And uh, so, uh, it, you know, it wasn't all that terribly smooth. I think there was no question, you know, JT was, was the guy. There was no question Amon Ra was the leader probably from the first day he stepped on the field. But um, in terms of, you know, knowing what they were doing and all of that, it was still kind of a grab bag uh, a little bit, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, going from spring to, to summer. I think the other thing is they're in better shape. They run better. Uh, what they do incorporates running for, you know, everybody that's out there. I think that's, that's a really good thing. They, they certainly seem like they know what they're doing and, you know, that there's, they're not having to review. They just have to, you know, I think at this point get better uh, and keep getting better and keep getting better. But, uh, but um, the fact that it doesn't change, I think is really a good thing that, that there's a kind of a seamless transition between what they did in the spring and what they're doing in the summer is exactly what you want. You don't want to be reinventing anything at this point. You just want to, and I, I think that was the biggest takeaway from the spring from all the coaches. Many of them hadn't, hadn't, you know, worked with this offense is how quickly they picked it up, you know, from day one and how, you know, easy, easy the transition was. Uh, and uh, I think that, you know, coaches like, you know, Tim Drevno were pretty much amazed that, man, this is, you know, these installs are, are going really well. And so I think that, you know, they stay on that, you know, same path. But but that's the – so not a lot of difference, I don't think, between spring and – but a lot of difference between summer of this year and summer of last year. Tremendous difference. Hey, Dan, one thing we talked about um, that I wanted to see them get back to more – and I mean, maybe this isn't the right path. It's just something I felt – um, that they were sort of like mimicking what was going on in practice in the PRPs as opposed to just going out there and like doing one-on-ones and competing and stuff like that. That's something I always like to see when the freshmen sort of came in. Um, I don't know if you got any sense of that or if you feel that that's really even the, the right way to go. I don't think they're doing much of that one-on-one, uh, uh, you know, competition. I, I would just assume wait uh, until you get into, uh, uh, you know, you bring officials. And I thought they get much more out of that when they're doing it with officials uh, because everybody takes advantage, you know, of if there's no officials. And, and I'm not sure, having seen the difference in one-on-ones with officials every day and, and without them, that, that I'm just not sure they uh there's a, a great deal of carryover if you do those without officials because it's just not uh very comparable uh you know to to game action so uh but yeah you'd like to see them keep doing that uh and not a lot every day but just enough to you know you work on the fades you work on your you know double moves and things like that and and you work on the you know the cornerbacks not biting and staying in you know the perfect relationship with the, you know, with the receiver and not grabbing and all of that. Uh, but I, I think without, if it's just the players, those get out of hand fairly quickly in terms of they don't maybe do as much good for you as, uh, as they will if you keep them under control. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, how, I don't think we've seen PRP's late enough to know whether or not they are doing 
one-on-ones or like competitive stuff like that with shotgun and i did hear like a little scuffle kind of happened shotgun thought a, fo- a fight broke out but of course we can't really see it so we're not sure but it did sound competitive so not yeah. sure. I think it's I think it's I think it's seven on seven and eleven on eleven. I think they're doing that. I don't think there's any question that they get right into that. You know whether they do serious, uh, you know, one on one. That's the one thing I, I, we just haven't seen that, and so I don't know. I'm I'm not. I think you can you can really benefit from seven on seven and eleven on eleven uh, with all the things that everybody has to do and how you react and and how everything works together. It's the one-on-one that I'm not sure uh, whether they skip that or not. That's that's uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll get to see that. But uh, but I thought they pretty quickly went into team stuff um, after they were throwing you know throwing against air. Yeah. So I guess the only concern I would have, Dan, is like you're doing the team stuff. Here's the playbook. Now it's a simpler playbook, and people can kind of jump into it. But I I always kind of like seeing the new people come in and just getting out there and doing something simple. Like you're a receiver, you go run a route. I'm a cornerback. I'm going to cover you and see who wins. And when we would see a guy like a Jenny Harris come in who hadn't played wide receiver since he was in the seventh grade and get out there and like start killing it. Like in his first summer, you're like, Oh, that's pretty interesting. Um, just, I mean, I feel like we might not get some of that kind of stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? Like by, by not doing it, or if it's all just like, team stuff that you do in the spring and fall anyway like you you get a lot of chance to do that this would this is a nice chance to just kind of go against each other and be competitive well you know in those days we were basically on the field we were almost in the drills i mean you know they were almost running patterns around us i would get I mean, hit we by that close i would and get you, hit by the could, balls that's how close we were <laughs> yeah 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 you could reach out and touch them so uh and the players loved days, it <laughs> they would pose for pictures and they wanted to see the video after like we'd shoot something like can yeah. i see that like yep they loved it. Those, like, those days be gone forever. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not forever, but yeah. they're gone for now. They're gone for now. I think they're, I, I don't know. Uh, but probably gone yeah, for now. I mean, it right. was pretty <laughs> cool. I mean, literally, we were really on the field. And you did have to watch out, uh, you know, for the football. So that may not ever happen again. Yeah, maybe not. Um all right. Well, any other? Like, we don't have a lot of questions today. Kids. We have one more question. That's it, really. It's a real throwback question, too. Okay. You want? It? Uh, sure. Unless you got guys got something else you want. Um, no. I mean, just seeing how the we can't talk to the players until July, so um, kind of just waiting and observing until then. Yeah, I think uh, so. One player came off the field and said something, and like shotgun, like tweeted it out, and they're like, you know, USC's like, hey, you can't talk to players, and, like. He walked off the field, said something like we just heard it. Like, Th- that's it? what I don't understand is it was the Jordan Isefa. Yeah. What he said, what I said yeah. earlier in the po- in the podcast. And I tweeted it out, too, and I didn't get an email. So <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the deal is, but I can tell you. I put it in ghost notes and, and didn't get a reaction. So yeah. uh, I don't know, but I can looking, tell you. They're looking for shotgun. Shotgun just, I'm not, you know, he's probably on thin <laughs> ice. Target on his back. Yeah, no, but like we weren't asking like, hey, Jordan, how was the workout? He was just like clearly that yeah. exhausted and told us like i yeah. can't help that i overhear things you know right so don't don't let if players are walking off the field do not listen to what like, they're I saying shut my ears <laughs> no don't say anything <laughs> yeah Alrighty. 
Uh, our last question is from Jim B. He says, thanks for all the good work you do. My question is about Chris Peterson, and it's for Dan and Ryan. I've heard all kinds of stories as to why he didn't come to SC, and I'm not sure what to believe. One story is that he never wanted to come to SC. If that's true, why did he interview twice for a job he never wanted? Another is that SC wanted him. I've heard Petros or Petros and others say that, but if that's true, then why did they interview him twice when they had no intention of hiring him? Another story is that he wanted the job, but then after viewing twice with Pat Hayden, he changed his mind. I heard that he agreed to uh, USC's salary offer in the first interview. If that's true, then money was not the problem. Basically, my question is, one, could SC have hired this guy if they really had went after him hard? Two, had they hired him, where do you think SC... Uh, the SC football program would be today after five years under him. Fight on Jim B. I'll do it real quick, Jim. One, could USC has hired him? Yes, if they went after him really hard. Two, where would they be now? Way better. So that's my <laughs> simple answer. Yeah, I mean, he's different. Uh, I mean, it would be a different you know, flavor to the program. Uh, you know, he may not have, you know, been, the, again, the perfect fit. But you make the program fit you if you're that, you know, kind of a coach. I mean, there are an awful lot of people who, you know, will list him. I mean, I don't know that anybody who doesn't list him, you know, as a top five college football coach today. So, uh, and obviously, uh, has gotten Washington, uh, you know, going, uh, with a kind of a different way of doing it with different kind of talent level. And, uh, he's, he he would be a whole different approach to things. Uh, no question about and no question. USC could have gotten him. I mean, they did, you know they they wanted to hire Sark. Uh, you know they just. I think the you know you get the sense that the second interview with Sark was to, I mean with uh, excuse me with Peterson was to kind of disqualify him or convince him. You know you don't really want this job because we want the other guy. Uh, so I think that was kind of a turn off interview, uh, you know, for somebody who probably clearly was, you know, you have to be intrigued. If you're a college football coach and you're not intrigued with the USC coaching job, you know, you probably don't have what it takes to, you know, to be a great college football coach because you have to look at the USC job and say, man, what would I do there with the, you know, with that history? And that recruiting base and, and all of the kinds of things that are going for you, at, you know, at USC. Would, would Peterson's, uh, you know, way of coaching, uh, you know, work at USC? It, it'd be interesting. I, I don't, I'm not absolutely convinced that it's, you know, that it's a great fit, uh, uh, you know, with USC, but, uh, uh, you know, you would have eliminated the two, uh, you know, mid mid season firings. Uh, I guess that would have been a been a good thing. I, you know, you have to think that. Yeah. Um, so from that standpoint, uh, you know, well, I guess you wouldn't have eliminated the one. You would have only eliminated one uh, mis, uh, mid season firing. You'd have eliminated the uh, uh, you know never to be forgotten. You know, salute to Troy Knight with uh, Sark. Uh, a lot of things would have you know changed uh i'm guessing but uh i don't think it's an absolute 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 um that it would have been i mean you know washington might be a better place you know for chris peterson than than usc uh in, in some way so who knows he might be you know he might be better off uh you know and being able to do what he wants to do the way he wants to do it um 
there's a there's a different kind of a spotlight on you if you're at USC. And you know, I think Peterson would have been interested in trying to see how that worked, but uh, but I don't know that we know absolutely that it would have worked uh, in terms of you know would the USC program be you know farther along than than Washington's program is right now. I don't think we I don't think we absolutely. Now, would they have hit a five and seven season last year? No, no, not even, not even, not even. <laughs> Hell I mean, to that, the that, no. that isn't even remotely possible. I mean, but let me say this: I mean, not I mean, like that. No, <laughs> if, it would ever, if never, I, never, never happen with Chris Peterson. And, and I, I very seldom will say something like this. If I'd have been coaching them last year, they would have been five and seven. I, I think, and I might say that for Ryan and Keeley. I think. Any one of us might not have gone five and seven last year. I mean, really, that was that was horrendous. Yeah, to be honest, you you almost can't do it any worse than they did last year. I mean, if you had a hundred things to get right, they got, you know, they got four of them right out of a hundred, maybe or something, whatever. It was just, you just, you know, it was awful. So, so that yeah, you would have avoided that. That's for absolute certain, and you'd have been in a different place like right now. For example, Washington gets all the benefit of the doubt. USC does. I was just looking at the uh, all the the aggregate uh, 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 odds on on college football have been updated uh, on the uh, to win the national championship. And I guess the latest ones that came out today from Vegas have USC and Utah tied at 20th, which is interesting. There are only 19 teams ahead of those two. Three of them are on USC schedule: Notre Dame, Washington, and Oregon. So right now, you know, if you just go by those odds, they're picking USC as nine and three if they can beat Utah at home, which, you know, you, you would say if you're picking them even, USC should get the, you know, the benefit, uh, you know, at home. But then I think uh, Athlon came out and they ranked all 130 today and USC's number 43, which isn't so good. Uh, so, you know, they've got some work to do, uh, you know, to make up some ground in, in some places. But it's kind of all over the board. You know, if one, one you know, l- l- the odds makers have them 20th. And, and again, USC usually benefits from t- some of those because they're going to get money bet on uh, maybe in Las Vegas more than, you know, other teams. But, uh, but you know, I just think it's kind of interesting right now watching what people think of USC and they don't know what to think. It's really hard. I mean, we're close to them. We have some ideas, but I don't think we have, you know, any sense of exactly, you know, there's no guarantees. And if you're on the outside looking in, uh, this is one of those years where you just say, who the heck knows how this is going to go out. If you're an out, you know, an outsider, uh, it's very, very difficult to, to figure it out. All you do is remember a few, things that you saw last year and you just thought that's just unacceptable uh and did enough changes happen i mean i think we think maybe they did actually and maybe you know they're going to be able to take advantage of their talent and they're going to be able to you know look like they're well coached i mean just to say if one thing came through in the spring the lack of penalties that was such an improvement i mean i don't know if you ever watch uh pac-12 network in la where they do some of those, uh, you know, they re, you know replay games, and they're so painful to watch. The lack of discipline, the the penalties, the the dumb stuff, uh, you know, that that just 
happen play after play after play. It, it almost makes it impossible to watch some of those games without, you know, throwing something at the, you know, at the screen because they're just, and you didn't see that in the spring. That, that really, you know, went away. And I mean, we maybe haven't given that as much credit as, as, as we should have, but that was a big change. I thought that the, the discipline that you were seeing in the spring, uh, just, you know, wasn't like, you know, you saw in games practice was way better. I mean, I think the, you know, addition of the Pac-12 officials and, and the fact that that was Clay's job was to reinforce, you know, whatever happened. And that was a good job for Clay. And, and I thought he did a good job, you know, of, of coming down on people who, you know, were undisciplined and there just wasn't much of it. Yeah. You know, it looks, uh, I'll get back to Jim's question in a second, but yeah, I mean, to me, I could see a path where penalties are better. The offense, I just did a, a video for 24-7 Sports today, make a bold prediction. I said they're going to go from 90th in scoring in the country in offense to top 20, which would mean 10 more points a game, So, if, if, as, as opposed to last year. So if they would have scored 36 points a game instead of 26, they would have been in the top 20 in offense. I think they're going to do that. Easy. Does that translate to more wins? Probably, but you know, it's, it's hard to say. I, it's hard for me to predict that this team's going to go like 9-3 and three or 10-2, and two. But you could see it happening fairly easy, but you still know a lot of the pieces in place and you could still see screw ups and stuff happening. So it's hard to like go out on a limb and say, yeah, that's definitely going to happen. But the path is there. I mean, I think they've made I don't think they made all the right changes, but they made enough that it seems to be going in the right direction. And then real quick on Jim B's point about Chris Peterson. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think the single worst decision and this is saying a lot that Pat Hayden made was over you know, overlooking Chris Peterson because they were focused in on Steve Sarkeesian. And, you know, and some people are argue, well, did it really matter that Chris Peterson goes to Washington? I'm like, yeah, I mean, they, they went to the playoff, you know, they've been to a playoff. Washington's been to a playoff and USC hasn't. Now I know USC beat them head to head that year and stuff, but you're talking about Washington going from 0 and 12 and then with Sark seven and six, and then Chris Peterson being able to take them to the playoff. They're going to be the favorite to win the conference again this year. And I think he's changed a lot of things the way he's recruited up there. Um, it, you know, they did have a higher ranked class, actually higher ranked than USC this, this past cycle. So I think he's adapted to life in the bigger, you know, a bigger fish, you know, in a bigger pond. I think he's adapted that pretty well. Now USC is a way bigger pond. How would he adapt, adapted that? It's hard to say, but the things that happened, by hiring Sark, you hired a guy that lasted for 16 games, had the salute to Troy thing. I mean, everything horrible that spiraled out of the Sark era and, re- you know, then you got Clay Helton again and all this, like all this crazy stuff happened that you would have avoided if you hired Chris Peterson. I'm not saying he would have won your national championship or brought you to the playoff every year, but there's no question in my mind, things would have been a lot better. Just like things would have been a lot better if you would have kept Ed Orgeron when you had to get rid of uh, Steve Sarkeesian. You know, I think... There's just these horrible decisions made. Some people argue, well, it wasn't the best decision. Maybe not, but it was way better than the decision that was made. Well, you know, I think you make, you make up the, the point I always made was not hiring Peterson. Chris Peterson was only the second worst thing they did that year. <laughs> not keeping Ed Orgeron was the worst. I mean, yeah. the, the, the idea that, that a guy who had meant so much to the program and you knew was going to recruit, 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 it didn't matter if you weren't 100% sure of where he's going to take the program as the people at LSU weren't. And they're starting to see that, okay, you know, they're, 
been, uh, you know, some rough spots a little bit, but still there's that passion and there's that, you know, guy who can recruit with anybody. I mean, the best recruiting head coach in America. I don't think there's any question about it. And who loved USC and wanted to be at USC. And, and the idea of after what he did that year to, you know, toss him out and not give him the straight story uh, for Sark. I mean, the reason he left was not only they hadn't really been straight with him in how they were going to make a decision on who the next coach was, but that, that the next coach was going to be Sark. He, Ed knew what was going to happen. He knew where this was going. He knew exactly where this was going. And that's why he didn't really want to be any part of it. But, uh, but yeah, those were beyond disasters. But, but I, I, mean, I think it would have been so easy for USC to say, you've earned it. You're going to, you know, you're going to be the next head coach and we'll see how it goes. Knowing that however long Ed was here, he was going to recruit the heck out of it. And no matter how that turned out, whoever came in after Ed was going to have a whole lot of players that could play. For USC, and um, that that you that you made two mistakes that bad, are you know they're just mind-boggling. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just hard to hard, yeah, yeah. But I would have gone Ed first. Uh, now, by the time you know Ed was out of the picture, uh, you had the, and then you had your choice of Chris Peterson. But uh, the thought that you actually could pick you know Sark over Chris Peterson is yeah. You know, but Jim, yeah. to be clear, like both Dan and I said, we we both feel very strongly that if USC went after Chris Peterson hard, he would have came. I know some Washington people will tell you, no, he never wanted to go. I, I just think that's crap. That's not um, true. Yeah. No. So, but it was more of USC wanted someone to do things their way. Like if you go out, you know, you want a restaurant analogy? You you know, you're running <laughs> a, a great restaurant, and you like somehow like the the sous chef at French laundry wants to, you know, you can hire him away or her away and bring her to your restaurant. And, and he or she does all these amazing things. You're like, you know what, instead of doing that, we want to make sure you're using a microwave and uh, this hot pot instead of, uh, you know, whatever you, and, and, and that's, that's the kind of thing what USC was doing. Like Chris Peterson can come down, but don't do things this way. Don't do this. And like, that's not going to fly. You hire someone that's really good at their job you don't put limitations on them. And that's, I think what USC did. They wanted it their way. They wanted to make sure that, yeah, I don't know about this open flame stuff. Use that microwave more if you can. That's what we've always been doing. And we don't want to make everyone else look bad by having someone come in and change everything up. So I feel like Jim, that, that was what was going on. And uh, if, if USC went after Chris Peterson hard and was serious about getting him, he would have ended up at USC. You can argue would it have been too big of a jump for him and all that stuff? I don't think it would have been. I think Dan might be right. Washington might be a better overall fit for Chris Peterson, but I feel like USC football would have been just way better off over the last several years if you would have got Chris Peterson. Yeah, and I think the Washington fans, as much as you know, they want to feel good about their program, they don't do him any Chris Peterson any favors if they say, "Oh no, he would have turned the USC program down for Washington." No, he wouldn't. You know, if you're a competitive college football coach, you want to go where you really absolutely legitimately can win national championships. That may not necessarily be Washington. I mean, they would be one of those on the cusp, on the outside, you know, maybe if every, but USC is one of those programs 
that absolutely positively can win, if they do it right, can win a national championship or will win a national championship. So, so I, I, I just don't think it, it, it flies that, uh, that any really top college football coach, if he had the choice between USC and Washington, uh, you know, picks Washington. It, it's just not, not the way it works. I mean, you know, there are reasons, you know, if you inter- would have interviewed with the crew that interviewed Chris Peterson, you might come away from that thinking, man, I don't know if, I don't know what, you know, they just fired their coach and, you know, after the Arizona State game. I don't know if that's uh, exactly. And then they let go uh, an Ed Orgeron who is really solid in a lot of ways. I mean, it, so there, if you're, you're being in that interview, you're starting to think, you yeah, know, there may be some, there may be some issues here. Um, uh, so I guess that might always have played into it a little bit. Um, but especially if those people interviewing you were trying to kind of hopefully get you not to be interested in the job because they had their guy. Uh, but, uh, and I think Chris Peterson makes you a little uncomfortable if you're USC. And Sark was like, oh, he's not going to make us uncomfortable at all. Little did they know how that was going to work out. Yeah. That Sark was going to make you really uncomfortable. You just didn't know it. They thought, you know, oh, this will be one of our guys. This will we'll be real comfortable with him. And Chris Peterson, I don't know. He's, he's a little different. Um, nah, uh, doesn't always work out that way. You got to do what, you know, got to do the best thing for the program. And that would have been either Ed Orgeron or Chris Peterson. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right. I think we're, uh, I think we're about done with this show. Keep uh, sending in your questions. If you have any comments, anything you want us to talk about during this off season, we keep uh, rolling along and we'll tell you what news is going on. It's been kind of slow. Like we said, I, uh, I, if I learn anything, I feel like by saying, Oh, it's slow. The news is slow. We like summon it. It like, it, we yeah. just can't acknowledge it. Just, just, it's, it's just quiet. <laughs> okay. So don't say anything. Cause it, yeah. It's I just okay. feel, I don't know. I feel like it, it, it's, we're challenging the news gods. Yeah. Don't challenge the news gods. All right. Well, Keep we'll quiet. see. Quiet. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's, uh, Keel, your, I'm Ryan Abraham and Dan Weber. It was on the line. Thanks so much for listening to the Parasol Podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, Trader Joe's, and uh, we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.